Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we are joined by Buccaneers.com staff writer Carmen Vitale to talk about the additions of Antonio Brown, the injury to Chris Godwin, and taking a look at the Monday night football game against the New York Giants. All that and more on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi's a refreshment you need to power through game day become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. On today's episode, we are throwing down our final look at Monday Night Football between the Buccaneers and the New York Giants. But David, we're not doing this all by our lonesomes. No, no, we're not, because as we promised on the Crossover Thursday episode, we are joined now by Carmen Vitale of Buccaneers.com fame. Here to send us into the weekend, right? So let's welcome in Carmen Vitale. Carmen, how goes the Peloton races these days? And to piggyback off of Jill Beckman's tweet from Thursday night, what's your favorite Halloween movie? Oh, boy. Um, well, Peloton has I, – I, I need to be a little bit better about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quite transparent with you guys. Um, I think that the Halloween season and, like, fall just makes me want to sit here. And plus, I, I just started Billions, and I'm really hooked on it. <laughs> all I want to do is just watch billions all the time. Um, my favorite Halloween movie, uh, if if none of the Harry Potters count, which I know that they're kind of like Christmas movies and holiday movies, but Prisoner of Azkaban, in my opinion, is a Halloween movie. Um, Hocus Pocus. And I think Jill and I, uh, I think we agree on that. Okay. I said Die Hard. So, I mean, I think you're going to. Okay, that's a no Christmas matter. movie. Come on. <laughs> For me, Die Hard is an every every holiday. Like, I don't care what holiday is. Die Hard is is a holiday movie. For okay, all fair holidays. For all holidays. Does that mean I can pick Star Wars because I dress as Star Wars characters for Halloween? <laughs> yeah, sure. <That's> good. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, Carmen, let's kick this off with the big news of the week. Of course, that Chris Godwin is going to miss Monday night surgical repair of the finger injured against the Raiders. But the headlines have been dominated before and after by, of course, the signing of Antonio Brown becoming a Buccaneers wide receiver. We talked to Jake Arians about this on Wednesday this week, but we have to get your opinion on uh, on what has transpired. He has some well-documented issues and you know, some accusations still pending, which, of course, Bruce Arians has already come out and spoken about and, and things of that nature. Uh, coming off the eight-game suspension he's serving right now, it's another reminder of how divisive a player he's become in the court of public opinion. But what were your thoughts on hearing the news that Antonio Brown was going to be joining this offense that is already really firing on all cylinders right now? And in your opinion, uh, what is he going to add to an offense that honestly is having a little trouble including Mike Evans the past couple weeks. Yeah, I think that 
especially with Chris going down and just kind of, you know, you've seen a little bit of the injuries and we've heard Bruce Arians say that he's, he's an insurance policy and he's an insurance policy because he can play all different positions on the field, all, all those different wide receiver positions. Um, he's a very, I think, similar player to Chris Godwin. So you have Chris Godwin out, you can kind of shift him um, in there starting with the Saints game. Of course, we don't know how long Chris is going to be out. Um, but you know, I think that and I said this today too, I think with Mike, you're going to start to see teams kind of abandon the, we're going to double team Mike all the time, because obviously what's happening is that there's a lot of different playmakers on this offense and Antonio Brown just becomes the latest threat to where I think that you're now going to start seeing Mike Evans a little bit more freed up and not doubled as much because you just really can't afford to anymore. Coming up next, we will continue to talk to Carmen Vitale of Buccaneers.com about the week eight matchup against the New York Giants. But first, shout out to our friends at Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football but instead of entering the nfl they've joined another league the league of football watchers this football season will be different and pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch you guys know how i watch the games i got my meat cheese cracker tray going i got my bowl of checks mix and i'm washing it all down with a delicious pepsi or a mountain dew pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day because pepsi isn't made for those who play the game it's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Pepsi, made for football watching. Today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast is also brought to you by Built Go. Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do and helps you break through your walls, whether they're mental or physical walls. Break through them with Go every day. Built Go comes in easy to take one and a half ounce packages. You can put them in your backpack, your briefcase, your golf bag, your gym bag wherever you need to hold it to take it with you to help get you the energy when you need it. Bill Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus it's natural. So it's better for the body. Bill Go comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint, and is loaded with all the good stuff you need to ignite your work. Visit BillGo.com and use promo code locked and you'll get 20% off your next order of Bill Go. Again, that's promo code locked for 20% off at BillGo.com. Dot com. Let's go. Back here now to wrap up the week on the Locked On Bucks podcast, joined by staff writer at Buccaneers.com and Raymond James Stadium COVID-19 mask model, Carmen Vitale. These teams are doubling up, guy, you know, Mike Evans and then Chris Godwin is, is getting loose on them. Scotty Miller is catching 55-yard bombs uh, in the end zone against the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, really, you know, we've all we've talked about it all offseason that the Buccaneers have all these weapons. And it's going to be hard for any defense to really try to match up against all of them. And you can't blame, I guess, defense coordinators saying, you know, we're going to take away Mike Evans and see what these other guys can do. But I think every defensive coordinator that sees the Buccaneers on their on their schedule has got to be shaking a little bit in their office, trying to come up with some sort of scheme to basically tell their guys, look, you got to win one on one against a bunch of players that have basically proven that they can't be beat one on one because at the same time, you got to try to get pressure on Tom Brady. I mean, it's it's an unwinnable and un, unfigurable puzzle. It's it's like the world's worst uh, Rubik's Cube from from where I see it. I, I actually kind of wonder if Todd Bowles could scheme up uh, a defense. I don't even know if, if he would be able to do it. But Carmen James kind of touched on it. Chris Godwin going to be missing this game. I mean, we, we kind of already know, but. What are, what are your vibes with Chris? Because I know that everybody's kind of being noncommittal, and obviously I think the official stance you kind of have to be, but 
where do you sit on a scale of, you know, uh, one to 10, if you want to do it that way, that he might be able to come back for the New Orleans game? Yeah, I mean, I'm not quite sure. It would be kind of remarkable to have a receiver come back uh, just after missing a week when you had surgery on a finger, which, I mean, you like you kind of joke about a finger surgery, but when it, I mean, that's your moneymaker. Your hands are your moneymakers when you're a receiver. So uh, I kind of employ just in all aspects of, of football, of how I go and project out things that I'm expecting the worst <laughs> and hope for the best. Uh, that way I'm, I'm not too, you know, upset if something goes wrong. So I, I don't, I don't know. I really, I really don't. I know that's the definition of being noncommittal, but I just want to, you know, not expect too much out of him. And I don't want to be disappointed if he can't come back after a week, because at the end of the day, coming back a week, just missing a week after having surgery is kind of insane. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, and you really feel for the guy, because I mean, this is, this was going to be a big year for for him and Mike too. I mean, he's been banged up, hasn't had to miss any games yet, but he's been banged up. And, you know, your first year playing with Tom Brady as a wide receiver, you want to be on the field as much as possible. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, the, the football luck is just not breaking Chris's way this season. You just can't get, get healthy and stay healthy. All of these are different injuries. Carmen, after outscoring their last two opponents by more than 50 points combined, it's reasonable to think that they're absolutely going to dominate the New York Giants in MetLife Stadium. But outside of any given Monday, uh, I guess is the phrase would be this time. What, if anything, makes you pause when you get ready to etch this win in stone before they step on the field? And speaking of that field, uh, are you terrified at all as to what MetLife's turf did to the 49ers when you have a team with this much speed coming in and trying to play out there? Uh, yeah, I mean, to be quite honest, I really hadn't thought about it like that. Um, but now I'm nervous, so thanks. I'm always a worry ward. Everyone will, like... I feel like everyone that knows me knows that and I'm never one to project a win. I just, I'm so scared of jinxing things. So there's plenty though, that gives me pause. And I know that like the giants, obviously they've got some, they're struggling in, you know, offensively, they've got some struggles on defense, but actually they're like, their rushing defense isn't that bad. So like, if we find ourselves not being able to run the ball, which has been such an emphasis and I feel like has opened up so much like for this offense, that could be dangerous. Um, the, the Giants are also, I believe, tied for like eight. I know they're top 10 in sacks. So like no one I feel like is really talking about that part of it. And I'm like, uh, that could that could throw a wrench into some things um, with the Giants. So I don't I don't want to I don't want to project the shutout. I don't want to. Although. People that ask me on today's Coffee with Carmen and Casey or Thursday's Coffee with Carmen and Casey trying to get me to throw some shade as to what team the Bucks could potentially uh, shut out. And I was forced to say the Giants just because of their lack of total offense. They have like the 31st ranked uh, yards per game, total yards per game. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to say it because <laughs> anything goes on any given Sunday, especially on Monday night, right? Yeah, absolutely, Carmen. And of course, you know, this season has been affected by by all the COVID-19 stuff going on in the pandemic and the and the precautions and, you know, every state being a little bit different. The league having to put in their own protocols and then the testing policies um, halfway through this season, though. I mean, we're not completely halfway, but we're, we're close enough to halfway uh, from a team media standpoint, from your experiences working in sports media, not just with the Buccaneers, but in your entire time in sports media. Uh, how has this year been? different the most and then honestly are there any COVID developments you think will continue past the pandemic 
Uh, I mean, I have to think that there are going to be some just uh, some changes that are not ever going to go back to normal. Um, I think that that's just a natural progression. I think if this is, and so not all of them bad. I mean, I feel like we've gotten into, we're in an industry where the grind is glorified, right? And so every single department is affected by that kind of mentality where it was like, you can't work from home. Why would you be able to work from home? Like you have to be here. You have to be here all the time. And I'm guilty of that. Cause, and I actually like going into the office. I feel like I get the most work done there, but I think we've now seen that people can be just as effective from home. And so I feel like that might lead to maybe some, a little bit more flexible schedules, especially maybe in the off season, which I don't think would be a bad thing. Um, but I mean, in general, what I really miss and what I hope doesn't go away is um, a, in general, the access just because of a lot of the things that, you know, I write about, especially if it's not necessarily like widely known. It's like, I get that because of the relationships I've built. And that's why I love being part of a team because I have the opportunity to build those relationships. And that's what I feel like one of my strengths lies in building relationships. And it's very, very hard to do when you're not actually able to talk to people face to face. You can't communicate with them. You can't, there's just a lot of outside factors there that make it a lot more difficult to do your job. And it, it definitely takes its toll on feeling like you're part of the team and that you're in this together and all that kind of stuff too. So um, that's been the most disappointing part of all of this. And I really hope that once we kind of get back to normal, that that doesn't go away because, you know, I don't know. We're, we're doing our jobs now, but I feel like I could still do it better if I got to be around my guys. I want to be around my guys. Yeah, I, I can certainly understand how this has been, you know, a little a little trying. And and yeah, there is something to that cohesiveness and and that, as you said, the we're all in this together mentality of of working for a franchise and, and interacting with everybody on a daily basis. But looking ahead, Carmen, to uh, to Monday. And even looking back, you know, on a guy who was named the NFC Defensive Player of the Week, Devin White has been a serious problem for opposing offenses. It doesn't matter if it's shutting down the running back, getting after the quarterback, flying to the football, whatever the case may be. And I don't mean to to make this sound like he wasn't a really good player last year because he absolutely was. But what is it about this season that has helped Devin make such a huge leap forward in the way that not not just the way he's playing, but the way he is single handedly affecting games, you know, for opposing offenses as well as boosting the Bucks defense? I mean, I think all you have to do is look at the guy next to him and realize that he's had this much more time with Levante. He's He's known his role, I think, from the moment he got here that he was, you know, the 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 chosen one in a weird way. Like, I don't mean that that to say that, like, he is everything or he's king or he's he's reached his full potential by any stretch of the imagination. But he knew that he was going to have to step up and be a leader as soon as he was ready. And I think that he's stepped up much quicker than you could really ever ask someone, especially that age, to do. And I think a lot of that has to do with 54 next to him showing him the way just buying into him as a person and as a player and not having an ego about it either I mean let's face it Levante is all like we talk about how these receivers and everybody on offense is super selfless because the ball's getting spread around and all that think about Levante I mean he was the dude on this defense whether or not the rest of the country knew about it 
And he welcomed Devin in with open arms and took, you know, him under his wing and wanted to, to help develop him to the point where now Devin has surpassed Levante this year in a lot of defensive stats. They kind of go back and forth. Um, but he's the first one to pray. Like Levante is the first one to praise Devin. He's the first one to lift him up to, you know, brag on him. And I don't think the confidence that Devin comes in with and the leadership that he has, uh, which is complementary to what he's doing on the field. I don't think that happens if you don't have a guy that's, that's with you, propping you up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been great to see how, uh, Devin himself is is really just taking the lead by storm, I think, but also the way that they work together. And uh, I kind of mentioned that on interview I was on recently that just, you know, the, the defense just is, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a unit uh, in this game look like they're having so much fun uh, while they're <laughs> on the field there. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And the more fun the opposing offense, you know, allows them or gets forced into allowing them to have the better they get. Uh, I kind of talked about it before, you know, sometimes guys get too hyped up, too excited uh, having a little bit too much fun, they overreact or they they over pursue an angle or something like that, and something big happens, and that's how teams get back in games. But these guys it just seems like they get sharper and sharper. They're more, you know, they're, you you see JPP and Levante David having a synchronized sack celebration, <laughs> and they're just they're just getting better from it. It's not it's not distracting them at all. It's just uh, it's it's really a, a fun thing to watch, and and really happy that we get it to see it from the angle that we do. Um, have you guys have you guys noticed the handshakes? I don't know if like other people have noticed this. But if you know, like, because I, I know the TV angles, especially like they cut away right away for when right. these guys make plays and stuff. Literally every single guy on the defense has a handshake with the other with another guy. Like nice. each one has like their own like Levante David has a handshake for every other player. Sean Murphy Bunting, same thing. Jamel Dean, like Jordan Whitehead, they all have their own little handshakes. And it's so cute. I'm just like, <laughs> you guys are having so much fun. And again, I also, you know, I think that also starts with the man that has kind of engineered this whole thing. So, but I, I brag on Todd Bowles all the time. So I really need to just rein it in. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I see players do that kind of stuff. I see like basketball players are notorious for it. I don't know how they all remember. Like if I, if I did that right. type of thing, I'd walk up to somebody and probably start initiating the wrong handshake, but hold up, let me pull up my list of handshakes to see which one is yours. I don't know how they remember all that stuff. I, I don't either because I'm the same way. I'm like, how, what? Uh, okay. All right. I'm, but you know, when you're making plays left and right, uh, I guess you get a lot of practice. So yeah. <laughs> all right, guys, one more segment coming up here at the locked on bucks podcast with staff writer at buccaneers.com. Carmen Vitale. Wrapping things up here on a Friday edition of the Locked on Bucks podcast, joined by Buccaneers.com staff writer and connoisseur of all things pumpkin spice at Carmi V on Twitter and Instagram, Carmen Vitale. Uh, speaking of young guys having fun, obviously Tristan Wurst is also having fun. Um, Andrew Thomas not having as much fun. And of course, this <laughs> game is going to feature two of the quote unquote, big four offensive tackles from the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, and I remember that most of us or all of us were really surprised and extremely happy to see Tristan Wirfs make it to the Bucks because most of us assumed it would be Andrew Thomas being the last of those four off the board. Now, fast forward here, we are at the end of August or end of October and what will be <laughs> early November. And Thomas is striding, uh, struggling pretty, pretty mightily there with the Giants. Wirfs looks amazing, uh, contributing to an improved run game, keeping Tom Brady from being sacked two games in a row. Uh, really, my question, uh, Karma, I mean, is it possible for an offensive tackle to win rookie of the year? Because I went back and did some research 
And, and, and if, if the research I found is correct, an offensive lineman has never won the AP Rookie of the Year award. I'm not really surprised by it. But is it even possible? What would it take to make that happen? Because right now, I don't think Tristan Wirfs is going to get him as many pancake blocks as Justin Herbert will passing yards. But I don't know. I mean, I think Tristan Wirfs is making as much of an impact as a rookie offensive player as, as anybody out there is. I mean, I think that you kind of gave up hope when even just like in recent memory, like Quentin Nelson is, was, uh, is, and was like still, I think one of the best offensive linemen in this league and made a huge splash his very first year with the Colts. And, you know, you get, you only get like the, the football nerds and stuff that know this kind of stuff, because I mean, to anybody else's credit, offensive line, they have not perfected or improved how you can quantify their performances or qualify their performances. The stats just aren't there unless you're like privy or you have access to advanced metrics and you can kind of see like, you know, their, their impact a little bit more there, but it's just not widespread enough to, I feel like get these offensive awards, which is such a shame though, because I mean, the impact that these guys have on the game is tremendous and it's so understated even donovan smith said it today he's like you're only you're only going to get as far as your offensive line mm-hmm. and it's true and i feel like no one really understands how that happens i mean they open everything up and if you, and we've seen like in the in the games that the bucks have lost the two games that the bucks have lost i mean brady took three sacks i think against the saints and the bears and there's definitely a correlation there with how well the offensive line plays and protects their quarterback and how much they can open up in the run game and wins and losses. They directly affect wins and losses, but no one's been able to very tangibly quantify that. So uh, it's not fair, especially for a guy like Tristan, who again, the intangibles are crazy because he's such a, he's such a young player. He's so young. And this is a position too, which takes a little bit more development. I feel like from the, there's a bigger jump from the college to the pros than a lot of other positions, if not every other position. And he's just settled right in. And I mean, he's blocking for the best at this point. And I don't know how you handle that pressure as like a wide-eyed rookie, but he's never played like one. Herman, even though this team is like one of the hottest in the NFL right now, they're coming up on a pretty difficult stretch of games. It includes the Saints, Panthers, Rams, and Chiefs over the course of the next month. They're not a perfect football team, and and I don't think we can point to any team in the NFL that is perfect, but where do you see the biggest room for improvement, and what do they need to do to really get over the top and become the unquestionable best team in the league? That's a really tough question. I think that the consistency of – I mean, we heard Harold Goodwin, our assistant head coach and run game coordinator, you know, say that even after this last game against the Raiders, he would have liked the run game to be to have been better. Uh, I think that that needs to be a little bit more consistent just so you can rely on it, um, which opens up again a lot more for the offense. Defensively, I don't I don't know what else you can do. I mean, consistency, I guess, because you do have those drives that you give up, but what this defense has done so well is that even if they give up a drive or two, they then make up for it with a takeaway. Like they've had a takeaway in like every single game, I think. And it's one of those things where, okay, yeah, you gave up this first drive, especially against the Raiders where I want people to kind of understand. I think our coaches talked about this a little bit today too. The beginning of games is so scripted between both teams. Like your first drive, 
is very scripted. So basically like you've spent all week studying all this tape and you script something based on what you've seen it to like perfection. And then once the game gets going though, you have to start making adjustments and that's where this defense thrives and that's where offenses falter. So I feel like I'm never really super upset about what happens early in the game because essentially like they have been spent a week on that one drive or maybe two drives. But then once it comes to making adjustments, this defense just gives you so many different looks and they're going to show you the exact same thing that you saw on tape, but they're going to do something completely different out of it. And they set you up that way because they're playing chess. And I think the offense is starting to do that a little bit more too. So maybe that's actually my long winded way of getting to my answer in that I feel like both sides of the ball can kind of maybe play a little bit more chess, try to stay a couple steps ahead. Like, all right, I'm going to do this against you. I'm expecting you to do this against me because I'm doing that. Now that I know what I think you're going to do, I'm going to try and do something else. And if you can get to that, you're going to be completely unstoppable. Real quick, before we move into our final segment, you, you brought up the run game. I have to ask as somebody that's on social media a lot during the games, do you get like, 60 to 100 notifications a game of people whining and complaining about running the ball on first down oh god yeah (laughs) i get so many i get so many and listen against the raiders what did what did what did the offense do they threw it to gronk on the very first play Mm -hmm. so i don't want to hear this okay like now they've got this reputation of like running on first down now you use that to your advantage if you just stop running the ball on, on first down, then defenses are never going to gonna defend against the run on first. Like You just can't do it. So, But analytics, David. Analytics. The same analytics that told Kevin Cash <laughs> to pull Blake Snell out of a game. Oh, oh you had to bring that up. That's, yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, you bring up a very valid point. I, I don't think a lot of people really understand that about the NFL game, especially the NFL game. Um, you know, you saw the Raiders, especially on their first couple of possessions. I mean, they were really hitting, uh, and this was something that, you know, unfortunately I had a, a little bit of a home management emergency, so I wasn't able to get it in writing. Um, but I was a little bit concerned about whether or not the Raiders were going to try to get behind uh, the linebackers, get behind Levante David and Devin White and in front of the safeties as they try to, you know, protect the deep part of the field against guys like Henry Ruggs and Nelson Aguilar. And that's exactly what they did. They started hitting those over routes on the first drive, the second drive, and they were putting points on the board. And then, like you said, Carmen, after that, it's all about the adjustments of what Todd Bowles was going to do with his defense and what those defenders were going to do. You know, if the linebackers, um, you know, really there's there's kind of a counter for everything. I think what, what ended up happening is the linebackers dropped a little bit deeper to protect against those over routes. And the Raiders tried to run the ball in that empty space or try to get some guys in the empty space. But come to find out, you don't need – like the Buccaneers are, are solid against the run, yes, because of their front seven, but also because of their front three, front four, five, whatever they have up there on any given play. They're just strong against the run, period, because every single man up there is strong in run defense. So even if you need to drop Devin White a little bit deeper in his zone to, to keep uh, Waller from getting back over you again, you still have four or five, three, you know, even three strong run defenders up there to take care of a guy like Josh Jacobs. Uh, but then at the same time, you know, I'm sure that the Raiders were kind of looking to see if they brought forward a guy like Jordan Whitehead or Antoine Winfield Jr. to see if they can get a shot over the top, you know, uh, above the safeties because they, they shrunk the box a little bit. And that's that's the chess match that happens. And, you know, when you have a, a coordinator like Todd Bowles, that's why you win these matchups. It's it's yes, it's because of talent. And that's what we see on the field. And it's so, so fun to watch. But also at the same time, like Byron Leftwich says a lot, too, it's about putting the players in the right position to be successful. And, uh, you know, that's what people are watching is is literally 
you know, kind of a play being written as it's, as it's being acted out. And it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's impressive to see happening because I mean, again, I can't remember a handshake with somebody, let alone try to remember all these <laughs> tendencies and tricks and things that I think will work. So it's just, it's incredibly impressive to see uh, what happens on a cerebral level uh, in football. 100%. Final question, Carmen, before we let you go uh, with the Falcons, by the time people listen to this with the Falcons now sitting at one in seven uh, after <laughs> losing Thursday night football to the Carolina Panthers, uh, and the Bucks not playing until Monday. For those of you who don't pick up, we're recording during Thursday Night Football, so the game hasn't ended yet. But that's what's going to happen. And uh, I haven't Bucks... ended yet. It's only nine. <laughs> <laughs> the Bucks aren't playing until Monday. Maybe depending on what happens with uh, the positive COVID test there in New York, uh, and because nobody cares about the Saints except for when we talked to Ross Jackson on our crossover Thursday episodes. What <laughs> matchup are you watching on Sunday? Oh, uh, that's a great question. Um, I kind of flipped through like Red Zone. I was I gonna say, or are you gonna do a red zone channel thing? That's what I'm I kind do, of gonna. So. Yeah, I just you know I want to keep kind of a high level view on everyone. Um, are the Bears on a buy? I don't know. I always I, you know I always kind of pay attention to the Bears. They play like the Saints. Oh, do they? Oh, well, then I'm, that's yeah. the game I'm watching. Well, there you go. <laughs> so I guess we do care about the Saints, other than when we talk to Ross Jackson. Uh, we I mean we don't care. We want like this is just another reason for me to work for the Bears, which. Anytime we're not playing them, I'm great. And I would like, I don't know, did I say this before? But like, I want to state that like, when the Bucks play the Bears, I'm a Bucks fan. Obviously. Oh, well, of course. I we feel like I got we... a lot of questions about that during the Bears game. Like, who are you rooting for, really? I'm like, no, I'm rooting for the Bucks. <laughs> I was devastated after that game. Like, yeah. ask my parents. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Paige Mako is also rooting for the Bucks. I think she was a little less devastated. Um, about the Bears went there, but still, you know, uh, you got your support behind the right people. Yes, 100%. All right. Well, Carmen, thank you so much for joining us. We always love having you on. You are, and I, I don't say this facetiously or just because you're on the show. I've, I've said it to you off air. You are absolutely one of our favorite humans, and we love talking to you. So Aww. thanks for taking some of your time out and skipping the beginning of what is sure to be a riveting Thursday night football game to sit down and, and talk with us. Well, actually, you really took me away from billions, so I really like you guys too then. <laughs> Fair enough. Appreciate your time, Carmen. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys always. Thank you. That is going to do it for this episode. So first and foremost, please make sure you're following Carmen on Twitter at Carmi V. Make sure you're following her on Instagram where she does her live Thursday show with Casey Phillips. Uh, you can follow her there at Carmi V. Check out all the incredible work that she's doing over at Buccaneers.com. We absolutely love it when Carmen is able to join us. And uh, yeah, she'll be back on again very, very soon. As for David and I, check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you are following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRO underscore Bucks, at DHarris82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding weekend. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, mask up, be good to each other. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at LockedOnBucks.